Welcome to another amazing episode of the Path to Podcast Success with your host, audience building and fear crushing podcast expert, Evan Bradley Johnson. Every single week, Evan has powerful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and business owners, revealing the podcast strategies they use to grow their subscribers and sales, and how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Okay, welcome everyone to another very exciting episode of Path to Podcast Success. I have a guest here with me today that I am very excited to welcome to the show. I have a feeling this is going to be a very fun episode. The pre-show chat has been pretty fun so far, so I have no reason to believe that the actual interview is going to be any different. So you guys are listening are in for a real treat today. Robert Duran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. <laughs> so I like to start off in the same place with all my guests. And that is by making sure that everyone listening is on the same page and they have the context that they need to get the most they can out of this conversation. So for those people, go ahead and tell us, what is it that you do? So I'm a filmmaker by trade. That's what I've, I'm qualified in. It's what I've won an award in. And um, now I make those short TikTok style videos that you've probably seen all over the Alex Hormozzi style um, reels with full captions and all that good stuff um, for coaches and online experts. Okay. So you used your background um, in that to now take that into the world of business. That's pretty awesome. And so how long have you been doing this for? Um, this offer is, is relatively new, to be fair. It's been the past couple months. Um, nice. I got into it by making my own videos when I was uh, trying my hand at being a, a mindset coach. Mm. And um, yeah, so not all that long. It's exciting. Okay. So are you still doing mindset coach stuff or did you just had to make a transition and now you're doing this full time? Well, should I rewind further back and tell you more of my actual story? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Where I am. So at 16, I left school to go to the art college in Plymouth, um, near where I'm at now. And like I said in our pre-chat, where your founding fathers left from. And I needed something to do. And I, I studied film because I needed something to keep me out of trouble. Um, <clears throat> I was there for four years. I dropped out for three, worked in a call centre, which sucked. Went back to finish my degree for a year. And then when I came out of doing that, I made music videos for several years for like independent bands. And as much fun as that was, it wasn't particularly sustainable because independent bands don't tend to have a lot of budget. So I then, uh, well, my parents said, you need to get your shit together. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I do. And I took a job in London working at a post-production house and they treated everyone like shit. And I was already in a bit of a mental breakdown and that just perpetuated the mental breakdown. And uh, I got out of that six month contract and I was like, screw this. I'm not going to have anything more to do with making videos. I'm done. <laughs> and 
I, from there, I also figured that I couldn't work for anyone else. This is where my I stepped into entrepreneurship and I started a marketing agency offering Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO and web design, the full service kind of package. Um, and I was working with like a, a white label company to fulfill on about half of that. That went all right. I did pretty well. But in the long run, I wasn't feeling fulfilled with it. So around this time last year, I figured that wasn't working for me. So I was really interested. I still am interested in the mindset uh, kind of stuff. Put together a program, had a few clients. And then around August, September time, I kind of realized I wasn't attracting the kind of people that I really wanted to work with. I was attracting people that needed therapy and didn't have much money, as opposed to high-level entrepreneurs that went wanted to go to the next level. Yeah. Um, so from there, I was like, oh, actually, you know what? Well, my kind of mentor in the mindset space, he talks about having clout. He did more or less the same thing. Had a marketing agency that he sold for multiple seven figures. And in doing so, he had the clout to be able to go, this is what I did in terms of mindset to be able to make a business of that magnitude. I was like, what have I got clout in? Video production. So I can now, I'm thankful for taking such a roundabout journey, but I do find it funny that I've taken 16 years to come back to what I did when I was 16. (laughs) um, But yeah, I, I have a lot of like marketing knowledge and entrepreneurship knowledge. I didn't have back in the day when I was making music videos. So Mm. now I have more to offer in terms of value when it comes to video production. And I do in terms of the mindset stuff, I still meet with a few clients that stayed on um, twice a week, but I'm not pushing that side of things. Yeah. (laughs) I want, uh, that's so funny that you say that. Because I remember I went on a similar journey where I had a business I was doing. My listeners know this, but the business that I have that inspired me to have this show is that I run a podcast production agency. I started off, I uh, started when I was in high school, I'm 24 now. So I'm still on the young side, but it's still been a minute since I, since I got into it. Um, and I, you know, I was editing podcasts for entrepreneurs and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit. And uh, I always loved, because I worked with a few coaches, I always loved that world, right? Making money by having these powerful conversations with people. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to dive into that. It worked okay. You know, I got a couple of clients, very similar story to you. But then I realized, like, without the successful business that I worked until I either sold or stopped doing it or transitioned out of or whatever the deal is, right? Then I was like, wh- like, I can't. How can I help someone get to a place I haven't been able to even get myself to? Hmm. You know what I mean? And so I like so I knew that I had to go back to to the business. And it's not like I ever dislike podcasts or anything like that. So and I'm still I'm doing the podcast work right now still. And you know, I got the team, the business, the whole fun stuff. Um, and I love it. Right? Maybe I would go back to do the coaching later on in life. I don't know. But that's definitely an interesting realization I had. Um at the time, because truly the the barrier for entry to be a coach is, is pretty much non-existent, but the ver- barrier for success that. is high. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people are going to have that realization because at the moment we're in a period in time where coaching is being advertised by a lot of these um, other coaches who will coach you into being a coach. 
And unless you find where you can actually genuinely help people and have a real impact whilst also attracting the right people, a lot of people are going to get disenfranchised, you know? Exactly. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, a lot of those, you no, know, there are definitely coaches out there who are doing good work and they, they are very picky about their clients. But let's be real, some of the loudest coaches online in their marketing, like if they're coaching people on how to become a coach because, oh, it's easy. They just work a couple hours a week going on calls and they make a billion dollars or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, are they going to really turn down someone if they're, say, someone like you or someone like me where we didn't have the incredibly successful business? And we, ob- especially now, like in hindsight, it's like, no, I should never become a coach. Like, that was not the time. I couldn't become a coach. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe I could have. And yeah, there are people I could help or whatever. But like, it's not, not, not for the m- amount of money that I wanted to do it for. It would be a disservice people I'd work with. But a lot of those coaches yeah. that are marketing, they probably don't care very much, right? Well, I think it's that they don't talk about the full picture. They talk about the infinite upside. But nobody's really like, if you're starting from this position of n- not having success, it's going to be hell of a lot harder than if you've already built something that you can leverage. Like, nobody talks about that because it's bad. It would be bad marketing. Yeah, but exactly. I reckon they'll, they'll, we're coming to a time where like people will start using uh, Alex Mosey calls it a damaging admission, which he learned from Eminem in Eight Mile when he does that final rap battle. Like people will start will start using that and being brutally honest, and then you front load what you're saying with this is going to be really hard work, but it's going to give you the life that you want. People, I reckon, who will start using that soon? We're not quite there yet. There's t- there's too many coaches online. A lot of these people are like, "Hey, I can help you hit a 10k month." It's like, did you ever hit a 10k month doing anything other than helping people? hit a 10k month <laughs> you don't know anything about actually hitting a 10k month yeah and then if you, if you if you made a 10k, 10K month. month helping people hit 10k months and so what you help people do is help other people hit 10k months that's beginning to kind of start to sound like a pyramid scheme you know what i mean like it's you're heading in that direction and that's the thing right you see that a lot i see that a lot online nowadays especially in the world of mindset and like mindset coaching and things of that nature Obviously, there's nothing wrong with mindset. You have to be pretty, you know, stable as a human being to create a business because you're the boss. You don't just show up and do what you're told. You have to show up. You have to force yourself to show up and do what you tell yourself to do, which definitely takes some, I guess, emotional stability is the right word for it. But the problem with that is that then you see a lot of coaches online will take advantage of people for that, right? Because, that's, you know, someone's life isn't what they want and the coach says, all you have to do is come, you know, pay me some money and I'll, you know, talk to you and then help you have, you know, your life will be amazing. Like that is going to get a lot of people to show up and, and, and do and spend a lot of money to do that further on the wrong person. Yeah, there are coaches out there where it is incredibly transformative to work with them. But there are a lot of coaches that are not. You know what I mean? But they make their marketing seem, you know, they pose in front of the Lamborghinis, right? Oh, and if you don't, if yeah. and if and if you fail, it's because you just didn't do the work, right? And it's like, I don't know. It's just interesting to see that now. It, it's and it, it's it's just a very interesting situation that I see online. A lot of people fall for a lot of this predatory and like manipulative marketing. I've yeah. I've kind of found. You know what I mean? And it kind of drowns out the good ones. And then you get these kids 
I won't name any names, but like I'm on a guy's list. I think he's 22. And all he talks about are his revenue numbers and then like what he's done that day. And it's boring. Like some people might know who I'm talking about when I say this, but he was like, oh, yesterday I had eye surgery. All right. You haven't got enough experience to actually give valuable stories. <laughs> that yeah, right. feel uneasy. Like, I think that's one of the things that I love about people like Grant Cardone or Alex Formosi. And even Iman Gadji, who is like 22, his upbringing was that like rough that it builds that kind of connection and relatability. When somebody's just breezed through life and now they're making millions you're just like i don't relate to you because you're barely a human <laughs> yeah right and that's, that's kind of suspicious as well because there's there's probably some manipulation there right like i've seen i've seen a lot of you see a lot of young uh people who are you know even younger than me you know 18 19 20 20 you know 22 whatever and they're posting about how oh you know they They've been working for six months and they got the fancy house, the Lamborghini, all the really fancy, expensive stuff. And it's all I had to do was this and this. It really preys on people who are older than that, who want a life like that, but have been working their whole lives and haven't been able to make that happen. And it's like, if you can do it, I can do it, which is true. But usually those people don't really have your best interest, interests at heart. And so you pay for their course. And the course is really just a sales pitch for their other course, which is a sales pitch for their uh, their coaching or whatever. And then, mastermind. Oh yeah, their elite mastermind. So I could definitely go on this for <laughs> quite some time because I hate it when right. I see people taking advantage of. Because I was that person, right? I was young. I started. I was like 16, 17, 18 when I started. You know, kind of putting my toe into the world of of online entrepreneurship and it was so easy to fall for all of that mm-hmm. right that i have to be doing this and this and this and this and this and this other thing to be able to create success but no i just have to find what works for me you know yeah that's what i love about alex Somozzi is like he what he talks about is a dead set against that he's like put the hard work in find your own way and his whole thing's like i have nothing to sell you isn't it so, like, until you get to that three to 10 million mark where you might be considered to work with acquisition.com, his information's free. And, like, I think that gives him an extra level of credibility where, like, you know he's saying this because he believes it, not just to make sales off people. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so... To go back to you and what you do, uh, give us a little bit of an insight into what it actually looks like working with you. So walk us through um, the services that you provide and you know how you're making those, uh, those great transformations. So my service isn't like picking up a, an editor on Fiverr or anything like that. I help from the planning stage like helping with idea formation, helping with scripting if they want to go down the route of scripting. And then we batch film the content that we've planned, usually 30 to 60 at a time. The more you're an entrepreneur, 
coach can do, the better, because it means they don't have to film for a more extended period after that. And we, after that, that's basically their involvement done. We take all the footage, edit all, edit it all up, and then post it on their behalf so they don't have to worry about staying consistent. And um, yeah, and during the, f- the filming also, <clears throat> we do that as a virtual uh, shooting session. So I direct over Zoom as well, um, making sure that their performance is on point. So full service. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you help people with creating social media content. Yes. Okay. And so do you do like, do you help purely with like the production of it or do you help them with the actual like creative kind of branding side of it as well? Just the video. Um, Like I, like I said, I've got a lot of like marketing knowledge and I've built websites. I've, done a whole lot in that kind of space um so i'm always happy to give insight on those things but it's not the service that i'm now offering right. again going back to alex Mosey, he talks about sticking with one thing for an extended period of time yeah and right my issue with like my marketing agency that i did coming out of that job in london was that i bounced around like i learned facebook ads and then i learned web design and then uh, a, a client asked for SEO and that was the white label company that I was working with that fulfilled on that. But the more, uh, like I was asked for SEO, I learned more about that. And like, I was never dead set focused on one thing when realistically I should have probably just been focusing on video production back then anyway, because it's what I already knew. So <laughs> just the video side of things, uh, at least for now, but probably for the foreseeable future. Right. Okay. So when you decided to make the transition into doing this, because you said it was fairly recent, what was your biggest fear about doing this? And uh, did your fear end up coming true? The biggest fear would have been that there was too much competition and that people wouldn't go for such an offer because of things like all the people in Asia doing editing work at dirt cheap prices. And no, that fear hasn't come true because I'm able to offer more value than what they're doing. Um, And people will pay for a more rounded experience and to actually, like, sounds a bit racist, but they'll pay for a native English speaker. You know what I mean? So there's just little things where... I can set myself apart from people like that. Right. And there's nothing wrong with hiring someone on Fiverr who is, you know, doing a service that's very cheap, but usually you get what you pay for when you pay for things like video production. Right. Absolutely. And I get it because I do podcast production and it's very similar. Right. You yeah. really do, you get what you pay for. And also, even if you get someone who's really good on Fiverr, I still find, because I've I've had many things off Fiverr, um, but I find that it's it's a a one-time thing. There's no relationship built there. And, like, before I even take a client on, like, there's been a discussion on Messenger. There's been calls. There's a bond to some extent there before ever even any money's ever exchanged. You know what I mean? And, like, 
having those one-time things, if, if you just need an ad hoc logo for something, you can go to Fiverr and get that easy, boom, done. But when it comes to something like uh, reels and posting consistent content, it really pays to have a long-term relationship there. And that's what I'm all about. Right. Exactly. I love it. So I'm a big fan on the podcast of actionable advice, right? I like it when people listening can take something from this and really use it. So with that in mind, let's say someone is interested in adding these kind of video components to, to what they're doing. Um, what would be a piece of advice you would give that those people could take and implement during that process? The first piece of advice would be to be honest about where you're at in terms of time versus money. Both are currencies. If you have more time than you do money and you want to be using video to promote your brand or business, you need to learn how to do video yourself. If it's the opposite of that and you've got more money available to you than time, obviously time is a very finite resource. Money is infinite as long as you're tapping into the right streams. If that is the case, then don't scrimp out. Don't be cheap and get a professional like myself who is going to build a long-term relationship with you and be able to produce a high-quality product so you can uh, shortcut and leapfrog your way to having decent video content without having to go through all of the effort of learning the whole system. That being said, if you are learning all, if you are just starting and you want to start getting on video, but you've not done it before, the second piece of advice would be that manage your expectations. A lot of people that I've spoken to, they're like, oh, I really want to start doing videos, but I'm scared to get started because it won't be good. It won't be good. <laughs> Nobody does their first video ever and it wins an Oscar. That is not <laughs> how things work. You're going to suck. Like some people are going to be a bit better than others when they first start. But as a blanket rule, you're going to suck the first time you get on video. And then you have to accept that and then build momentum and do it more and do it more and do it more until you get good. So managing that expectation is massive. Right, exactly. That makes a lot of sense because like you're saying, I mean, people will have very unrealistic expectations right out of the gate. And being able to manage that really sets you up for success down the road. I think that's really powerful. <laughs> yeah. My I first experience of that kind of learning curve came from playing music. Mm. I played my first gig in front of my whole school year of 400 kids when I was 14. Wow. And um, I was playing guitar. It was an instrumental piece. It wasn't like I was having to sing or anything. But I was there playing guitar. And I knew that a solo was coming up. I looked down about to start the solo, my hand was shaking like crazy from the nerves. And like, I couldn't stop it. And I asked my fr uh, friend afterwards, like, how was that? Was it okay? And he was like, you hit so many bum notes. I'm not even sure what you were trying to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, crippling feeling that was. But I wanted to play music. I, I, I was playing in bands until I was 27. So from 14 to 27. And then by the end, I was doing vocals in a metal band and like I learned to use that nervous energy for performance. And the same thing will happen on video. The first time you go to try and make a video talking about what you do as a business, you're going to be nervous and jittery. 
But the more you do it, you can use that same energy that comes from feeling nervous to actually, like, you free yourself up and you can give more of a performance, um, in turn, making you better on video, on camera. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I love that. And here's the other thing. When you don't feel those nerves, it's time to quit. Whether it's in music or if it's talking about your business, if you're not nervous about what you're saying and wanting it to be successful, it means you probably don't care enough and you shouldn't be doing it. Right. It actually makes a lot of sense because I have a very similar similar history where I was, I, I was trained as a musician in, in college and I, I played, you know, I played music and same thing. I was always terrified going up on yeah. stage and playing all that kind of stuff. But after playing through college or playing professionally for a bit, I, I just I kind of lost that as well. Um, I realized, and I don't know, kind of put the two together, but I, I kind of, I, I noticed that I kind of lost some enjoyment doing it, and mm-hmm. it didn't make. I was wasn't making as much money as I wanted to be making, so I switched to doing this. But now looking back, it makes a lot of sense when when the nerves started to go away a bit. It's like it correlated with 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 my interest kind of going down in it as well. So I've never kind of put those two together. That's really that's an interesting way to look at it. Well, also, like, with both performing music and being on video, people can sense your energy. And, like, if they sense that you don't care, it's not going to have anywhere near the same effect. When Blink-182 came back in 2014, they played Reading Festival, and it sucked. And you could tell that they literally accepted to do that performance for the money. And, like, they didn't care. At least Tom DeLong didn't. I don't know about Mark Hobson, Travis Barker. They mm. seemed to want it to work. But Tom DeLong, he, he was awful. And, like, why do that to your audience in music or in business? Like, you need to give a shit, and people need to feel that. Exactly. Exactly, 100%. I, I think, Robert, we could probably talk about all of this for hours, but I want to make sure I respect your time and the time of our listeners. So, uh, That's cool. I want to invite me back. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Robert, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing your incredible insights um, about everything that you're doing because I think that's some really powerful stuff and that people can really take and and use for people who are interested in you and in the work that you're doing and they want to learn more uh, where can they find you so i'm on facebook instagram tiktok and youtube with the handle at robert alexander duran um i'm most active on facebook and instagram so one of those would probably be best if you go and shoot me a message um i'm on twitter also as robert alex duran it won't let me have the full name because of a limit on uh, characters and then you can also go to robertalexanderduran.com and you're able to book a call there if you want to jump jump the gun and uh, skip straight to a conversation okay there we go I'm going to keep I'll make sure I have all of that in the show notes and I highly encourage everyone listening to check that out in more detail and Robert thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today thank you for having me it's been a blast Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. 
If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So, again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success, and we'll see you in the next episode.